0: It's time to unleash you at Kangan Institute. Enroll now. kangan.edu.au. RTO
1: 3077. Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Good afternoon. Welcome to Dwayne's World. Julian De Stoops sitting in for Dwayne, who's enjoying some much-needed and well-deserved uh, time off the Werribee Can open line is ready to go. one 736 736 Uh, Werribee Kia, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year. Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Big show coming up. We're going to cover a lot of ground. We're going to chat horse racing with Damien Ratcliffe from The Age. Chris Ancy's going to preview the NBA season, which gets underway tomorrow. Craig Foster's going to join us to talk... Everything in the world game, probably 95% of that chat will be about Tottenham and we might squeeze in a little bit more. Uh, some other issues going around at the moment uh, and we've got uh, plenty to talk about uh, in the world of cricket and in the world of footy. So if you, as I mentioned uh, just before we came on there, there with Jared, this World Cup, it's been a, a great World Cup in terms of some of the upset results, some of the cricket that has been played, some of the individual performances But what of the future of the World Cup? So George Dobell, uh, a well-respected cricket journalist uh, writing in The Cricketer, has uh, written that he understands that the ICC plans to stage meetings in November to discuss the format's future, with several members concerned about falling spectator numbers, both at the grounds and on television. So the article does suggest, you know, could this be? the final 50-over-men's World Cup that we see. So I'm just interested in the the temperature of the room. Are, are people right into this World Cup? Are they, are they, do they love tuning in uh, to the World Cup when it comes around uh, every four years? Um, sort of, you know, I'm in the early 40s. Some of the great memories of Australian cricket in sort of our generation have been things that have happened at 50-over World Cups. You know, the 99 World Cup with Herschel Gibbs and... Uh, The the Tide semi-final, Shane Warne's performance in that final, you know, Ricky Ponting's knock uh, in 2003, Adam Gilchrist's knock in 2007, Mitch Stark knocking over Brendan McCullum in the first over in the final at the MCG uh, in 2015. And I remember as a 12-year-old, when the event came here in 1992, it was huge. It was just such a massive event that the whole country got around. So, I'm just interested to see if 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 it was to be the last 50 over World Cup, would people be sad? Would they miss it, or do they feel with the the prevalence of T20 cricket, and you know we still want Test cricket really to be strong? Is there is there no longer really a place uh, for 50 over men's cricket out there? So give us a call, midday madness. You know the promise one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 more pressing matters: uh, the Australians are back in action uh, tomorrow night against the Netherlands. Travis Head. Uh, is a chance to come back into the site. Before I pose the question who he should replace and go through some of the numbers of those that he might replace, uh, this is what uh, Travis Head had to say about the likelihood of, uh, sorry, Andrew McDonald, on the likelihood of Travis Head coming back into the site.
2: We had a hit with him a couple of days ago on a travel day when we got to Delhi. He had uh, 30 minutes of work and across the 30 minutes he really improved and was able to function uh, the way that we know he can. So today's a really big day. We've- Got training in about, so I think it's about four hours' time, and uh, he'll face bowlers and go through that. And most importantly, once he, he gets through the session with some fielding and some some other sort of. Um, skill areas that we'd like to see. It's, it's how he pulls up tomorrow, but it's it's been an incredible effort to get here. Some, some doubted you know, that that was a, a good decision to keep him in the squad. Now that he's here, it feels right and it's really going to add something when he does play for the team. We've seen what he's been able to do over the last um, 12 to 18 months. He wouldn't play in the middle order. Uh, I think he's, he's a top order player, so he's about in the the top three would be ideally where we'd want him to play. He has batted middle order. I think it was in Sri Lanka and he did really well. He got 70 odd, I think, batting at number six uh, in a game over there at Premadasa. Uh, but he hasn't done that a lot. We, we've seen him as a top order player. And, you know, I think we've shown our cards in the lead into this tournament where we'd like him to bat. Um, I think George Bailey hinted that, you know, he'd be at the top of the order. We've got a, a little bit of a good, you know, dilemma to, to solve in the fact that Mitch Marsh and David Warner um, in that last game and, and over the short period of time have been able to gel as an opening combination as well. So I think it's a good problem to have and we'll discuss, but it will definitely be nearer the top of the order rather than the middle.
1: So that's Australian coach Andrew McDonald. So it sounds like Travis Head will go up to open alongside David Warner. Mitch Marsh probably goes down to number three. Correct me if I'm wrong, but looking at the team at the moment, you think he would replace one of Smith? Labashane or Stoinis. So Smith's made 46 against India, 19 against South Africa, Duck against Sri Lanka, and seven against Pakistan. He's only averaging 18 uh, from his four knocks so far. Labashain, 27 against India, 46 against South Africa, 40 against Sri Lanka, and eight versus Pakistan, just averaging over 30. Stoinis didn't play against India, five against South Africa, 20 not out against Sri Lanka, 21 against Pakistan. I uh, took a couple of vital wickets uh, in that match as well. He's averaging 23. Do we need Smith and Labashane in the same side? A lot of people don't think so. So if you've got any thoughts on that, give us a call one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Plenty coming through on the forty wings temper zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. The all new temper pro temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper a mattress like no other. Well, they've got some great prizes to give away, including a Signet boost power bank and a GA double pass to Cox Plate Eve this Friday night at Moonee Valley. Barry uh, from Laverton's going to kick us off this afternoon, chatting about the One Day World Cup. G'day, Barry.
3: Mate, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, can't complain. Um, just a quick one on what you said. I, I personally think it's not the World Cup. I think the World Cup's great. But I think you'll find most people aren't into the Australian cricket side. But, uh, all of my, we've all played cricket for 35 years, right? And we've watched tests. We've watched 50-50. We've watched 2020s. None of us, none of us at all can get into the Australian side. They just... They just irritate you in every aspect. You know, you watch Smith and Lava at the out there batting. Guys, concentrate on your batting. Forget about touching your gloves or your little quirks. Same with the bowlers, you know. At the end of the day, I truly believe Cummings needs a rest, and I don't understand why we're not trying to blood more younger quick bowlers through rather than sticking to the same old, same old, because those same old, same old were the guys that actually were in on the ball tampering in South Africa. So that puts a lot of people off from where you go. But just my opinion, mate. You're doing a good job, and have a great show. Uh,
1: good on you, Barry. Which uh, young bowlers would you like to see uh, be blooded or given more of an opportunity?
3: Mate, any of them. I think at the end of the day, the whole, the whole idea used to be that Sheffield Shield was your big one to blood your bowlers. Now, realistically, those bowlers, you can go through Sheffield Shield these days and not get an Australian cat. And it doesn't matter how bad the bowlers perform, or it doesn't matter what happens as far as a ball being tampering, right? These players can't get into the side. Now, you know, I'm someone that turns around and says, no, no, you go on performance, right? And if you've got someone in Sheffield Shield that's, you know, a good example just quickly. Remember that, um, Matthew Hayden. When yes. he first came in, mm-hmm. he, was playing with Queen, he was playing with Queensland and churning out 100 mm-hmm. after 100 after he just And he couldn't get in the side. And then when he did get in, we were so powerful and so strong. But we don't do that anymore. What we do is, is that we rely on someone going out there and making a quick hundred in one Sheffield Shield game. We go, oh, yeah, well, look, he could be our next. You know, realistically, if Smith's not performing, get rid of him. And I don't think too many people would be worried if he went. And if Labuschagne's not performing, same thing. Get rid of him. I'm not after their personalities, mate. I want them to go out there, play cricket and make runs. That's what it's about. Win games but win them fair and square and try to win the public game, for God's sake. But again, have a great day,
1: mate. Take care. Good on you, Barry. No, you're not the uh, certainly not the only person that shares uh, that thought. It, it does... Smith and Labashane in the same side doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. You certainly need one player that can play that more patient innings and, and when the time is right, just to knock it around or run a ball uh, and do that job, which Labashane's done pretty well in this World Cup so far, but it's hard to see... Why you need both? Uh, plenty of feedback coming through on the forty wings team. We've got a Twitter poll up as well on sh- on who should make way for Travis Head. Uh, should it be Labashane, Smith, Stoinis, or other? Vote now at the Dwayne's World Twitter page. Uh, on the f- the, uh, the the future of the World Cup and the fifty over World Cup. Uh, got a few coming through here. Fifty over cricket should be reduced to forty five ball overs. Two hundred balls each is enough. Uh, I've watched every match. Haters are going to hate, and the media are behind the hates, says Brett in Bacchus Marsh. I'm right into it. So are three of the six of the three of the six guys I work with. I've noticed one million people watched Australia versus Pakistan last Friday, and I'm not sh- not sure of the figures in recent matches. I think it was a bit slow on uh, Fox Sports early, uh, but I'm, I'm not sure if that's picked up particularly as the Aussies' performances have picked up. Uh, I'm right into the World Cup. I can't stay up for all of it, but I've been watching every game until around 10.30, 11 at night. I still love one-day cricket. I don't like T20 cricket. Uh, the World Cup one ODI format needs to be revisited. Let's face it, the winner is coming from the top six. It needs to be two tiers in its qualifying. The top eight should play in a more condensed World Cup fixture with the last two to make up the final eight being the finalists of the second tier that would establish... Be established in the lead-up to the actual tournament. Well, I take your point, but some of the results in this World Cup have shown that it is a far more even competition than we might have thought. I mean, what Afghanistan has done, the Netherlands beating uh, South Africa, the fact that uh, England is right down the bottom of the table. Um, I think most of the nations in it so far are performing okay, so... Uh, which I, I think a lot of people thought it might be a bit more lopsided uh, than it has been. Er, early voting on that Twitter poll, Labashane 65%, Smith 10 Stornis 20 and other five. Uh, so that's the cricket. Also, just with the footy, now that the trade period has settled, a lot of changes in uh, footy this year. If you look at the changes at the top of the AFL, we've got a new head of footy. We've got a new team coming in in Tassie. But one thing that also changed a lot uh, was the top eight. Uh, In 2023, you always on average have a couple of changes to the top eight. We had four changes this year. So Port went from 11th to 3rd, Carlton 9th to 5th, St Kilda 10th to 6th and GWF 16th to 7th. Going the other way, Geelong 1st to 12th, Richmond 7th to 13th, Fremantle 5th to 14th and the Dogs slipped one place 8th to 9th. Of those that kept their place in the top eight, Collingwood went from 4th to 1st, Sydney dropped from 3rd to 8th. Brisbane jumped from 6th to 2nd, and Melbourne uh, went from 2nd down to 4th. So not much of a change there. So now that the trade period has settled, and I've got the upcoming draft coming up, and a couple of clubs, obviously North Melbourne in particular, have got a really strong hand. But now that we've got a fair idea of how the lists are looking for 2024, do you expect seismic change in the top eight again? Can you see up to four changes again, or do you think it'll settle down uh, a little bit this year? And uh, most of the teams that played finals in 2023 will remain finalists uh, in 2024. So if you've got a view on that, which teams might rise, which teams may fall, which teams may stay where they are, uh, give us a call. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 In particular, off the back of the trade period, uh, has there been a team that you've got more confidence in? Or is there a team you go, oh, they they lost this player or they didn't do enough uh, in this trade period to to you know, show that they might be able to jump uh, back into the finals uh, next year. So give us a call one 736 on the Werribee Kia Open Line. Keep them coming through on the Forty Wings Tempestex And three ninety eight eleven sixteen. We're going to talk to Chris Anstey after one o'clock. Uh, just talking to. Jared, off air there. His son is obsessed uh, with the NBA, 11 years old. Can't wait for the season to start. I know it's such a popular sport or popular competition in this country. Have you got any thoughts on the NBA? It's been a tough day for some of the Aussies. Uh, Three of them were away from their contracts. One's got another chance. But any thoughts on the NBA uh, for this season, how the Aussies will go? Who do you think will win the title? What teams we should be looking out for? Uh, you can give us a call to 1300 736 736. Just a reminder, we're going to chat some Cox Plate with Damien Ratcliffe, Chris Ancy talk basketball, Craig Foster uh, to talk some world game. Upside, da- upside, downside. We're going to focus on one team uh, per day, AFL team. What's their upside heading into 2024? And what's their downside? Not my decision. Start with the Bombers today. Just see how we go, uh, and we've got—we'll uh, find out about an important charity too, doing some great work in the mental health space. Uh, ...later on in the show. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, Julian De Stoops, sitting in for Dwayne Russell. We're talking the cricket, the future of the 50-over World Cup... ...on the back of an article from George Dobell in The Cricketer... Uh, ...that there will be some meetings uh, later on during this tournament... ...just about the future and concerns over dropping crowd numbers and TV audience. We're talking the footy now that the trade period is done four changes to the top eight in 2023 which is a lot normally we average a couple we had four this year do you see that much change next year uh, less change more change similar change and if there is to be changes what will they be who will slide who will rise and who will hold their ground and also we've got a Twitter poll up at the moment if Travis Head comes back into the side for Australia tomorrow night against the Netherlands. Who will he replace? Uh, you can check that out at uh, the Dwayne's World Twitter page. Uh, Labashane, 54%, Smith, 15%, Stornis, 20 other 11 at this stage. But this is midday madness for WorkLocker, Downs and Pakenham. Unlocked, stocked and full of value. Workwear for wherever you work. Visit worklocker.com.au. Uh, Paul from Coburg is on the line and wants to talk about the footy. G'day, Paul.
4: Hey, Jules, how
5: are you going? I'm
1: well, mate. How are you?
5: Thank you. Um, I think the doggies will go up and I think Port Adelaide will go down. Why do you th-
1: yeah, why do you think the dog um, they they need to climb? Uh Luke Beveridge needs them to climb. Why do you think they will climb in twenty
5: twenty four? Jules, I think they've got all the ammunition. It's just a matter of them applying themselves. I think their forward line, their rucks covered. Uh, the midfield's always good with Liberatory and Bonapelli. I just think they can really the the pressure's on them to go up and I think that might be the year.
1: Why do Port... Sorry, why a Port slide? Obviously, good year this year. It, it didn't finish well. You know, some injuries late hurt them. But they appear to have addressed a few of their needs. They've, I know Osava Radagalia is a little bit unproven as a key defender, but they've got him in to, to play on the big boys. Um, they've got a Ruckman now, a proven Ruckman in you know, a van solder, and they've got another key defender in Brandon Zerk Thatcher. But why, why do you think they might go backwards?
6: I think
5: they've replaced or oh, they've replaced their weaknesses, but I don't think the players they've replaced them with are, are quite good enough. That's just my opinion. I, I just reckon the second half of the year they had a lot of injuries, but their floor line didn't function. But their back line, they've replaced with players, but I'm not sure how good those players are.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure on Port either uh, for next year. I, I, take your, I take your point there. I think Osava Radagalia showed some signs this year that he could be a very good key defender. His intercept work was really well, but maybe his ability to stop the best forwards is, is still in question. I think Zerk Thatch will be an excellent second or third uh, defenders, you know, working together with a Lear who hopefully can really free up to be that interceptor and, and radically. I think he'll do a good job there. I think Soldo's an upgrade uh, of what they've got in the ruck, but you know, Charlie Dixon, how much footy left in Charlie Dixon? We know Boak is going on for another year. Ollie Wines hasn't been the same player since he won the Brownlow. He's not playing in his preferred role enough. But you sort of understand that because you've got Horn Francis you want to play on ball. You've got Rosie and Butters who are outstanding uh, as on ballers this year. So, yeah, I'm not quite sure what Port will do uh, in 2024. Thanks for your call, Paul. Uh, Signet Boost Power Bank valued at 44.95, Coming your way, a Signet Boost Power Bank will keep your phone, tablet and earbuds powered 24-7. Let's get to Jeff in Melbourne. He wants to talk about the Blues, I think. G'day, Jeff.
7: Hey mate, how you going? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, I wanted to talk to you about Carlton's poor trade week. Well, in, in my opinion, it, I feel like it was poor. You know, letting letting go of Fisher and and you know Dow on the way out as well. You know, for, and losing pick seventeen to get two picks in the twenties. I feel like they sh- should have built from on the momentum that they had to run with the run in. Could have got another key defender or even a small forward to just bolster the team while they had momentum. Because if it dies down and they're not as good next season, I feel like they're not going to be able to attract a big or even not even a big player, just a consistent player who's an unsung hero and doesn't get as much recognition as a star, but can come in and do a job. Although re- regret it in general, not building while they're up. Because even Dow could have been a small forward. You know, he's a number mm. three pick and the timing's bad because he just started to shine.
1: Do you think you need small, more small forwards? So uh, Jeff Botlop looks like a really good player, just entering his third year Next year, you know, always oh, does his job. I know he fell out of form late and lost his spot in the prelim. You got uh, Fogarty, did a really good job this year as a really good role player. Um, do you think it really, and you got Durden, who was, you know, had a lot of injuries this year. Do you really think that's an area you need to improve on? I do, because
7: I, I, all the things you just mentioned, one of the highlights that I got out of that sentence was one of the issues, which is inconsistency.
1: Mm. You might have got one of the steals of the trade period, though Elijah Holland. You happy to bring him in?
7: Oh, we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. I'm, mm. not, I'm not 100% on board with it, to be honest.
1: So what are your v- expectations for the Blues next year, Jeff? Got one just come through here. Carlton will win the flag. So that's obviously a confident Carlton supporter, I expect. But what what what's your expectation going into 2024?
7: Look, mate, honestly, I've, I've, I've written this on, on some of the Instagram posts as well. All we expected was for them to fight and to show some fight and to put in performances. We never asked for finals. We never asked for a prelim. We just wanted them to show some fight, and that's what they've given us. But I think next year, probably maybe a top four finish, and just playing final football will be good enough for me. Mm,
1: where's your improvement going to come from, do you think? If you are to take that next step, you know potentially finish in the top four after the home and away season, where's that improvement come from? Mate, I
7: think... It's- Mackay and and Kerno need to need to gel cuz the, the team just seems off when when both of them are playing and I know the attention gets taken off Kerno Mackay's goal kicking needs to improve and I think if that if those two things happen then you know even, even defense won't matter because the amount of goals that will be coming in will be ridiculous
1: and you get a pretty handy player back uh, in defence as well, all things being equal, in Zach Williams, who missed the entire year uh, with an ACL. Jeff, uh, thank you for your call. Uh, just a couple more coming through on the 40 Wings temper uh, about this topic. Uh, one here from Travis. I think Melbourne and the Saints, Melbourne, will drop out for the Crows and Dogs, both to jump into the top four. My Hawks will rise. Sorry, A-Rod, but just miss the eight. Um Another one here, as we said, Carlton to win the flag. Uh, Port can go from third to first, then go out in straight sets again in the finals, uh, says another. And just on the basketball too, we said it was been a pretty tough 24 hours uh, for some of the Australians. Up uh, Reap uh, was initially uh, waived by Portland, but uh, now he's he's back on the books uh, to a degree. Uh, Jack White uh, was waived by uh, OKC and uh, the and Xavier Cooks, uh, at Washington was also waived. Then we'll ask Chris Anstey what the future looks like for him. There's talk maybe uh, heading across to the Euro League, but uh, great news uh, for Josh Green, not the former Essendon small Ford, uh the Boomers star, a new contract uh, with the Dallas Mavericks worth plenty. So we'll talk to Chris Anstey about that three-year uh, contract extension around about uh, I'll get the exact price, 141 million or something like that. Uh, so we'll talk to Chris Anstey. Uh, about that uh, very shortly. Midday, Mandis continues for Work Locker, Caram Downs, and Pakenham. Unlocked, stocked, and full of value. Workware for wherever you work. Visit worklocker.com.au. You know the promise. 1300 736 736. 33 minutes into the show, and A-Rod has already got that tune in. Speaking of Ange Postacoglu doing great things, as we know, at Tottenham, Mart, nine games undefeated, 23 points from a possible 27. He's the first manager in Premier League history to win 23-plus points from his first nine games in charge in the competition. So if anyone wants to talk to the EPL, I'm happy to talk about it. It's It's setting up as a great season. Spurs on top at the moment. Now, I don't think even the most passionate Tottenham fan thinks they will stay there. City and Arsenal, 21 points. Liverpool, 20. Aston Villa are looking really good, 19 points. Newcastle are doing some great things in the Champions League. have got their league form going, 16 points. Brighton, 16. United, couple of wins in a row, 15 points. West Ham, 14. And then Chelsea, getting a little bit better, still on 12 points. But uh, it is shaping as a really, really good race uh, for the English Premier League this year. Am I wrong? Is there actually... Spurs fans out there that think they can win? Uh, are they kidding themselves? Who do you think is going to win the English Premier League? one 7, three hundred seven 736 We'll talk to Craig Foster uh, about that a little bit later and all the other things swirling around. Uh, the A-League getting back underway. The Matildas are about to play in Australia for the first time since the World Cup. They've got some Olympic qualifiers. Uh, notice Sam Kerr uh, is back in her hometown in Perth as well. Plenty coming through. Uh, off the 40-winks temper about the cricket. G'day, Jules. I'm loving the World Cup. One player the Aussies could do with in the middle order is Ashton Turner. Has produced time and time again in the big bash in other leagues and formats. Incredible strike rate and a fine leader. What more can he do? Uh, love the show, says Shorty from Auburn Grove. Uh, Collingwood supporters getting arrogant already. Doesn't matter who comes in or out. Collingwood are going back-to-back, back, uh, says uh, Brad from Kierlo, North, closer to a flag than Carlton, says so one. I'll read that again. North Melbourne closer to a flag than Carlton. pull put that out in the Twitter poll. I don't think there'd be a lot of support for that uh, view, but I don't know. That's just an overly optimistic uh, North Melbourne fan, or someone that hates Carlton, or it could be both. Uh, let's get to Paul on the road. Oh, I like I like the t- subject of this one. Mad Spurs fan. G'day, Paul.
5: Hey, Jules. How are you going? Oh, I'm
1: very well, Paul. How are you?
5: That's good. I was up at 6am this oh, morning. Oh,
1: weren't we all? <laughs>
5: <laughs> so this is the way I look at it, right? We're out of the cup. We're still in the FA, I think. Maybe. I'm not sure. I had
1: not started yet. So, yeah, we're still in that one.
5: I haven't started. We're still in that. We're out of... Champ- we're not in Champions League. We're not in Europa. We're not in the other European comps. We've got one comp to mm-hmm. concentrate on. Um, the season that Leicester won the title, they're in exactly the same position. No one expects... No, yeah, it's great. true. Let's hope that... Oh, look, the squad is... Uh, the squad's pretty good, but we've got to keep our main guys. Our uh, Like, Madison is the best signing we've had in a long, long time. Um, our defence is solid. Van Der Ven, mm-hmm. he's a ripper. Um, Romero and Van Der Ven as a, as a team are absolutely killing it. And, and Vicario... Is an absolute gun.
1: Yeah, he's he, been good. Safe, yeah.
5: The saves he took this morning, oh, my God, unbelievable. He's So I'm pretty happy with where we are. Uh, long way to go. But it's nice to be on top instead of midfield, mid-champions, wherever we always are. So.
1: That's right. and uh, Yeah, you're right. Romero looks a different player with a good centre-half next to him. You're right, though. I mean, Tottenham so far, they've been fortunate in the fact that all their key players so far haven't been injured. And if you look at the bench... There isn't a lot coming off the bench uh, with a couple of players, you know, like Perisic and Solomon that are already injured. So if they're, Paul, if they're in the running, you know, come January, they, they've got to go into the transfer market, don't they? They've got to sign a couple of big players in January if they're really going to make a push for for greater honors at the end of the season.
5: They've got to go for Ivan Tony from Brentford. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's he's choosing between Spurs and Chelsea at the moment, so. Yeah, yeah, I think Arsenal's fans
1: sniffing fans. around uh, Ivan Tony as well. So he's going to have some uh, pretty juicy offers in front of him.
5: 100%. So let's, let's just hope Sonny stays sick because he's a gun, mate. He's just a star. He's the best South Korean player I've seen in a long, long time.
1: He's, he is a superstar. Now, it's good to watch, and their style of football uh, is uh, very, very enjoyable. Thanks for your call, Paul. Uh, GA double pass to Coxplate Plate, AM on Friday the 27th of October. So this Friday night, experience racing action and entertainment at the Ladbrokes Cox Plate Carnival. Tickets at coxplate.com.au. Welcome back to the show. Julian Destoop, sitting in for Dwayne Russell. uh, One here off the temper talking about uh, the Matildas back in town. Three Olympic qualifiers to be played in Perth uh, over the next week. First one on Thursday night. How can anyone not be pumping this up? We're going to talk about that uh, with Craig Foster. Uh, It's quite amazing, the ticket sales. So around about 100,000 fans expected to watch the three games. They're not exactly taking on, you know, world powerhouses. Uh, Iran, 63 in the world the Philippines, 44, and Taiwan, uh, 38. Uh, To give you an idea, in 2018, when the Matildas played Thailand, not that long ago, 7,549 fans turned up. So it just shows how big a... Hate the word, but brand, uh, the Matildas are. So there's going to be some big crowds uh, over in Perth. So we'll touch on that uh, with Craig Foster later in the show. Let's get back to the lines. 1300 736, that's the Werribee Kia open line. Awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year, Werribee Kia. Makes buying cars easy. Ray has been holding on on the road. G'day, Ray. G'day,
8: Julian. How are you going, mate? I'm
1: good, mate. How are you?
8: Good, thank you. I just wanted to pick your brain going back to the AFL Grand Final. And I want to be clear, I'm a Collingwood supporter. I'm We won. I think we're the better team. But this is nothing against Great. the AFL or the umpires or anything like that. But I'd like you, when you got a moment, not today, go into the first two goals of Brisbane, which was the 8 minutes and 22nd mark and 5 minutes and 22nd. The mm-hmm. first one that I'm referring to, the ball came out of the middle. The Collingwood player put his hands on the ball. Brisbane player kicked through the, the hands. Clear kicking in danger. They got a mark, handball a goal. Yep. The second one was uh, Mason Cox got a free kick in that back, right, left-hand mm-hmm. back pocket near the members wing. And uh, Isaac Quain stopped and his opponent stood next to Mason Cox. And That's when right. the umpires said yep. play on... It was well within the zone. They got a goal. Now, I sent an email to the AFL just seeking clarification. Have you changed the interpretation of the rules? If not, will you be brave enough to show this vision to clubs next year and say this is allowed, particularly the first one? If you've got a minute during the day or tomorrow, eight minutes and 20 seconds to go, have a look at it because it was a clear-cut free kick. There's two goals Brisbane should not have got. I'll leave
1: that one with you when you get time. Good on you, Ray. No, I certainly remember the one with Mason Cox and the smother from Zach Bailey who went on to kick probably the goal of the year. Not that you can win it in finals. Uh, I don't remember the first one, so I will go back and have a look. And uh, if you call me back tomorrow, I'll go give you my opinion on it. Uh, thanks for your call, Ray. But don't worry about it. You won the flag. Just enjoy it. Don't worry about the umpiring. At the end of the game, an advantage probably went uh, your way. But, uh, no, I love your passion, Ray. Thanks for the call. Andrew in Nidri uh, wants to talk about Spurs, I think. G'day, Andrew. I do.
9: I do. Are you a Spurs Uh, man, Andrew? I am. You and I are like long-lost brothers.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, they they haven't won
9: a a pennant since 2000, haven't
1: they? Uh, 2008 with League Cup was the last uh, bit of silverware for Spurs. But let's be honest, uh, Andrew, no one cares about the League Cup, so it hardly counts.
9: Well, yeah, I've jumped on the bandwagon since uh, Angie's gone across and like, I was a Celtic supporter so um, and I've been a Celtic supporter since yep. I was a child, so, mm-hmm. um, but now I've gone across to Tottenham and um, I'm, I'm enjoying every minute of it with um, the different uh, YouTubes and uh, Optus and all the rest of it on there, you get a lot of coverage. Um, Look, their problem will be um, they're skinny on the bench.
10: Yep, um, they
9: they they really need to um, when they uh, substitute their players, uh, they drop off really badly. Yep, um, and they haven't really played the top side yet. Um, and they're coming up. They're coming up. Well, they have played a couple, but they 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 got a couple of hard ones coming coming down the pipeline. Um, but he's done. He's broken all records and. And, and the of game is you know like you compare the uh, EPL to um, the um, a league there's no comparison no comparison and the um, and and they, and they could be sold to a Saudi Arabian um, Sheik.
1: I did see that uh, yeah I hope that doesn't
0: yeah.
1: happen. <laughs> hope no. that doesn't well, happen
9: well yeah well the thing is that um, they've got a problem there too because I think Saudi Arabia is um is chipping away, uh, offering billions or millions of dollars um, uh, for top-line players to go across to their league. So, watch that space. I think, um, yeah, because it could be interesting. That
2: yeah, Tottenham's
9: yeah. doing really well, doing really well, um, uh, and they've got some really class players up there. And it, the captain's is is, is from um, uh, South Korea. That's right. Um, and so, if they after another South Korean, he might be able to convince. And he's the captain of the South Korean uh, national team. He is, too. yeah. So, um, so he might be able to convince that um, other South Korean to come across.
1: That'd be nice. You're right, though. They are skinny on the bench. But they, one of their best players hasn't played yet this year. His name is Rodrigo Bentancur, who's coming off an ACL. So they've got some players to come back. One of the other problems for not only Tottenham, but some of the other teams up the top will be the African Cup which comes in in the new year where uh, Tottenham will lose a couple of their really good players. Um, you know, Su- Mo Salah from Liverpool will go. And every every time the African Cup of Nations is on, which is a massive tournament for all those players involved, uh, it just comes at the wrong time uh, for some of the European leagues. You mentioned uh, their, uh, you know, the big money that's being um, spent on players in Saudi Arabia. Not exactly capturing the imagination of the locals over there. Stephen Gerrard's team, Al Ettafak, I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, lost to El Riyadh this weekend in front of 696 fans. 696 fans. So you can pay all the money you want. No one cares. Uh, the ninth tier of English football had a match between Berry and Withenshaw on the weekend. 3,195 fans turned up to that. 696 fans for a team that would be worth squillions. So not exactly... exactly uh, capturing the imagination. Now, let's get to Lindsay and Sumble. He wants to hit back at Ray, who, despite being a Collingwood fan, has questioned the first two goals the Brisbane Lions scored in the grand final. G'day, Lindsay.
11: Yeah, mate. Well, look, while, whilst Ray is sending off emails, maybe you can it, save us all a bit of trouble. <laughs> Number one, Ray, RCAFL, why four Victorian umpires uh-huh. adjudicated in that game? And well, they're probably the best four AFL umpires of-
1: are from Victoria, Lindsay. Okay,
11: but (laughs) name me another sport that they don't have neutral umpires. But let's put that aside. Um, The week before, Zach Bailey and Toby Green got their heads ripped off. And yet, Nick Dacos ducked three times, got free kicks. Um, Harris Andrews was impeded when Meyer checked. I mean, you could go on and on. And then, of course, the big one, Lockie Neal didn't get the free kick that could have resulted in Brisbane winning. So, Ray I wouldn't be squealing, mate. I mean, you're playing on your home ground with four Victorian umpires. You shouldn't have won the GBS go- GWS game because you umpired into that. Stop squealing, mate.
1: And you won. Who cares? If, 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 if the Lions got over the line, I'm tipping you wouldn't be talking about any of those decisions, Lindsay.
11: Oh, I wouldn't, mate. I'd be still still on the on the champagne.
1: <laughs> what about next year, Lindsay? We've uh, sort of thrown that question out earlier in the show. Do you expect the Lions to be Right there again, is there any worry they might drop off a bit?
11: Look, I think it's just how it affects them mentally. Um, Nothing changes. I mean, there's really only Zorko that's got a bit old. I mean, Collingwood have got a lot of old players, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with them. I expect Adelaide to rise, but I think it all comes down to how mentally affected Brisbane are by that loss. If they shrug it off and move on, they'll be thereabouts.
1: (laughs) Always enjoy your interactions, Lindsay. Thanks for the call. Look, yet yeah, some teams have handled grand final defeats very, very poorly in recent years. I don't think that will happen to Brisbane with the experience they've got and uh, the people they've got in the right places up there. Okay, not too far away from chatting to some of our guests after one o'clock. Damien Ratcliffe from the Age to talk about the Cox plate. Uh, the barrier draw was this morning, the final field was sorted. Chris Anstey, Craig Foster. Upside-downside, we're going to start with the Bombers today. We're going to find out about an important charity doing some great work in the mental health space with some great support from one of our great partners here at SEN in Signet. Welcome back to the show. Daniel from Doncaster has jumped on the Werribee Kia open line. You can too throughout the show. 1-300-736-736. G'day, Daniel. Hey, mate. How are you going? I'm well. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Let's talk about Spurs. Yeah, um, I'm just really happy
3: how the season started. I mean, I was a bit deflated once Harry Kane left and um, I copped a lot of slack from a mate saying that we're going to finish bottom four. But yeah, I just think it's really good. We've got so much coverage now with um, obviously Ange hopping aboard. Like It's, it's really good to see that um, it's all over social media. It's been really good exposure for us. So a lot of people jumping on the Tottenham bank as well, I can
9: see.
1: So what mate of yours would actually think now I understand people thought Spurs might struggle this year. I wasn't sure how they go to be honest. You know, maybe sixth, seventh, eighth possibility like last season. But who actually would think they'd be bottom four? Who does your mate follow? Mate, it'll be our Liverpool supporters. Yeah, well, there you go. Bottom four. Come on, come on. So, what what, what do you think is possible this season for Spurs, Daniel?
8: Oh,
3: look, I think there's going to be a drop off at some point. I know we've got like four really hard games in a row in April, which might decide exactly when we finish. But, um, yeah, I don't know. People say our depth is a bit challenged, but I don't know. I think our midfield and our front is covered, but I'm a bit concerned about the back. But, you know, anything's possible. So, I
1: don't know. Uh, who knows? It's interesting how many goals would Harry Kane score in this team, the way they're playing. I wonder. I wonder. But uh, it hasn't, hasn't hurt them so far. Back in action uh, Friday night, uh, UK time, against Crystal Palace. At Selhurst Park, uh, as I like to say, a chance to increase the lead at the top of the table, which is not something Spurs fans can say uh, very often. Okay, uh we can talk plenty more Tottenham throughout the show if you want. Welcome back to the show. If you're just joining us, uh, welcome. Beautiful Melbourne day outside, uh, mid-20s, but uh, don't get too excited. It's about back to 15 tomorrow and 15 the day after. So it's a strange old time, uh, the Melbourne spring. Uh, Julian De Stoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Keep your calls coming, 1300 736 736, the Werribee Kia open line uh, awarded National Kia Car Dealer of the Year, Werribee Kia makes buying cars easy. Keep them coming through on the forty wings temper text as well zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen the all new temper pro. Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. Temper, a mattress like no other. Ross from Fremantle has jumped on the liner. Just a reminder, in this hour, we're going to speak to Damien Ratcliffe uh, from The Age. He's the chief racing rider. All about the Cox Plate uh, this week. The barrier draw, the final field uh, was finalised this morning. Down there at breakfast with the best at uh, Moonee Valley. So Damien will take us through everything and all the news out of that and how he expects uh, the race to play out come late Saturday afternoon. But uh, Ross from Fremantle has jumped on the Werribee Care open line. G'day, Ross. G'day, Jules. How's um, life over oh, in Frio?
10: Mate, it's fantastic. It's so good. Have you I mean, se- I lived in Melbourne for a couple of years. Yeah. Jeez. nah, no good over there. Bumped idea.
1: into our man Bobby Murphy lately?
10: Um, yeah, I just see him walking around barefoot, um, you know, in the streets of Fremantle a fair bit, just really <laughs> connecting. So, no, he's going well.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's his sort of place, I reckon. Now, what do you got for us, Ross?
10: Um, Jules, I'm calling up to, to find out if anybody's um, asking any, you know, serious questions to the Melbourne Storm about their, their owner funding the No campaign and yet the virtue signalling of the club with the Yes campaign, along with the NRL. Mm. And it's sort of gone a little bit under the radar after um, a prominent uh, you know, Victorian musician called them out on it. and He was a big Storm supporter. So um, have the Storm uh, replied to that or um, spoken about how their ownership actually funded the No campaign?
1: Uh, no, I haven't heard anything, Ross. I'll, I'll have a look around to see if there has been any Uh, talk about. I haven't seen anything in the newspapers or haven't heard anything uh, across the radio stations but uh, I'll have a look out and if there's anything there, we'll uh, bring it to you. Thanks for your call, Uh, Ross. Okay, let's talk some racing. Uh, Damien Ratcliffe, the Age Chief Racing writer, has been good enough to join us. G'day, Damien. Uh, Good afternoon,
12: Jules. How are you?
1: Yeah, well, mate, good to chat now. I know you're a a mad Collingwood man. I'm tipping you're not complaining uh, or too worried about the umpiring in the grand final given what unfolded on the day.
12: Oh, I heard, uh, heard your Brisbane supporter they complaining about that. Look, I think uh, Pies were the best team all year and um, most Collingwood supporters were just relieved to see them get the job done.
1: Uh, Lindsay was only responding to a Collingwood fan that uh, brought up the first two goals uh, for the Brisbane Lions. So you know what it's like in this town, Damien. Uh, the footy never sleeps, <laughs> but it is. We're right in... Uh, well you know, grand final time really for racing the Cox Plate this weekend. Uh, obviously, had the, the barrier draw this morning. Uh, the final field was finalised. Any any surprises with how the field is settled?
12: No, not really. I think uh, there were 12 horses interested in getting a start and Michael Brow, the CEO of Green Valley, said it was probably the easiest committee uh, decision they've had uh, accepting all 12. There are some times where you have a horse that, Maybe their form isn't quite stacking up and the committee needs to use their discretion and make sure they are just allowing the elite of the elite in. But uh, all 12 deserve their spot. A couple of three-year-olds, which makes the race interesting given it's a weight for age race and they won't carry a hell of a lot of weight. Um, both group won winners in their own right. So, no, it's a, a, pretty, a pretty good field and there's no sort of standout horse. Uh, clearly, the favourite is the Hong Kong import romantic warrior who... The trainer said he was about 80 or 85% going into the Turnbull and he was beaten there, finishing fourth behind Gold Trip. And this morning he says he's got the horse 90 to 95%. <laughs> he, he did complain a little bit that he doesn't quite have the, uh, the swimming pool and the treadmill and the facilities they have back in Hong Kong at Werribee. But look,
4: uh, uh, I don't
12: think that's much of an excuse when you consider the Coxplate Plate was won two years ago by state arrest out of Werribee. Seen West wind blows come out of Werribee and run second in uh, Saturday's Caulfield Cup. So look, he's got every opportunity to bring his Hong Kong form here and see if that stacks up. But uh, pretty, pretty even field, I reckon, for the Cox Plate on Saturday.
1: Overall, how strong would you say the field is compared to recent Cox Plates?
12: You know, I think I think the field is strong. I think the form is a little bit in that. A lot of last start winners. Obviously, Alligator Blood winning the Martin Tower, Fangirl winning the King Charles. Charles are two of the last start winners. Gold Trip's probably in better form this year than than last year. Even though he he ran second in the Caulfield Cup last year and, and backed up into the the Cox Plate, he's probably going better given his win in the Turnbull the start prior. Zaki's coming off a six week break. He's probably around the same sort of form. Mister Brightside probably looks like he's improved this year. Even though he was beaten in the King Charles, uh, and then you've got uh, the three-year-olds I mentioned, Militarise, people form to Animo two years ago when he was a three-year-old. Even though he didn't get it done in the Corfield Guineas, I think the the uh, the wind and the race shape was against him that day. It was hard to make ground, and he probably did did well given the circumstances. And and King Colorado's no slouch either um, in there for Kirim, uh, Dave Eustace, and if they were to pull up an upset, it probably wouldn't
1: surprise many. It's a unique barrier draw, uh, the Cox Plate, the fact the connections, uh, you know, choose which barrier they, they want to be in. Was there, seemed to be pretty straightforward this morning. Was there any surprises with uh, any of the barriers that the connections chose?
12: No, it usually works out pretty similar, That The first first barrier um, picked was sort of around three, four or five, and then, stay around that number and number one is up available for sort of nine or 10 slots. And then they decide whether they want to be 10 and wider or take the, uh, taking the inside barrier. So I think it was uh, alligator blood who had first pick yep. and picked uh, barrier five. Uh, and then I think it wasn't until yeah, about barriers two to nine were gone and uh, Ed Cummings decided with Jewish, he'd take the inside barrier. And then I think the last few horses left had to, uh, had to settle for, for 10, 11 and 12.
1: So Barrier 6, it always fascinates me with with barriers and which barriers seem to have a success in a race and which others. So Barrier 6 won three of the last five Cox plates. Uh, Victoria Road by Adam O'Brien has drawn or chose that barrier for this race. Is there anything in that? I mean, how important is what gate you come out of in a Cox plate? It might be important this year given how
12: even the field is, but I think the best horse wins the Cox Plate, like it probably didn't matter what barrier Winx jumped from yeah. he was probably going to win all four Cox Plates um, same could probably be said for Animo last year, I think he had the chance to jump from barrier four uh, which you know would, would make uh, the history of barrier four look good, but he probably wins from six, seven, eight, it doesn't really matter it's more so the type of horse they are, if they're going to press forward, uh, it doesn't really matter what barrier uh, they, they jump from, I think Annabelle Neesham sort of says with Zaki out in 12, he's going to go forward anyway. So it doesn't so much matter. It's more so maybe a horse that's going to get back in the field. They might be uh, more interested in sort of being barrier two, three or four and uh, closer to the fence and not doing much work in the first half of the race rather than sort of stuck out wide and uh, have, having to go around horses when, when, the fan fields, uh, when, when the fan field's near the school.
1: Always a great morning out there. Breakfast with the best. We're talking to Damien Ratcliffe, the age chief racing rider. Always a beautiful morning, as we say, out there at Mooney Valley. Uh, Who impressed with their work?
12: Yeah, no, I don't think there are many horses there that are out to break track records (laughs) or anything like that. There are only sort of half a dozen cox bait horses. The favourite romantic warrior had his gallop at Mooney Valley yesterday. A fangirl and militarised. I think they had a look around the track on Sunday and we're we're back again today. But the fangirl with that as a last start winner out of Sydney and that King Charles. She's probably just more there to practice getting on the on the left leg around the bend and just with the sharpness of the turn at Mooney Valley. So look, they're not there to set the track alight. They're they're more so there. I guess their final. Uh, Uh, captain's run you might say and and they're probably all fit and ready to go for Saturday
1: What about gold trip last year's Melbourne Cup winner, ran in the Caulfield Cup on the weekend there was a lot of talk even up onto the day of the race, uh, whether it would be a late scratching or not, how do you compare its chances for the Cox Plate this week compared to the Caulfield Cup
12: Yeah, no, I think he's he's a great chance we do know his pattern generally to get back in the field, so Given Mooney Valley is a bit of a tighter track, a shorter straight, he's going to need a little bit of luck. He didn't get that luck in the race last year with Jamie Spencer on board. I think he finished ninth, but he was only sort of two lengths off the winner, given it was sort of a bunch finish. So Mark Zara's on board. Mark knows him well. He's um, just won the Caulfield Cup on the weekend without a fight and obviously won the Melbourne Cup on gold trip last year. So he knows the horse well. Johnson Barrier 8, which should be fine. Like I said, he, he's going to get in the second half of the field. Um, the further back you are, the more sort of luck you need, but I think he's going as well, if not better, than than last year. So, uh, yeah, he, he's certainly within
9: uh,
12: and like I said, there's no Animo this year. Last year he was the clear-cut favourite. Um, this, this romantic warrior that the star from Hong Kong brings that sort of form, he might be the one to beat, but if he's a little bit off his game. I think it's pretty open Cox play.
1: Speaking of Mark Zara, he's been in the news for plenty of reasons uh, the last few days. Some good, uh, some not so good, but not the worst choice to have. What does he do for the Melbourne Cup? Is it gold trip or does he stick with without a fight?
12: That's a great question. And uh, they're probably the two that look to stand out out of the Corfield Cup. It's hard to really see much else. I know Shulkin was unlucky Missing the start and finished eighth, and probably um, probably will benefit from going up to 3,200. But most of the others, I think, are going to be pretty cooked from that grueling run. So he's got a uh, yeah, he's got a choice to make. I think Ben Mallon sitting there, um, given Ben Mallon Road Gold Trip on the weekend, Ben sitting there thinking, well, I'll, I'll take your sloppy seconds, whichever one you don't want. <laughs> so he's uh, Mark's got a choice there. So. Uh, it's a tough one. He was committed a fair way out for the Caulfield Cup on without a fight. So as far as I'm aware, he's uh, he's still got a decision to make there, but either would be great chances, I think, in the Melbourne Cup.
1: Damien, where do you sit on the, you know, a lot of talk on this radio station yesterday and, of course, in racing circles about the, I guess, the lack of enforcement, according to some of the whip rules uh, following the Caulfield Cup, and, and just in general, where do you sit on the fact that, I guess, you can clearly break the rules, but the result in the race still stands, even though the jockey cops a heavy suspension. Where do you sit in that debate?
12: My gut is that the current rules, and they're being enforced as they're written, but they're not really acting as a deterrent. Um, I I sort of agree with the point that the runner-up on the weekend, West Wind blows his jockey, Jamie Spencer, flies out from England, knows the rules, abides by the rules, and gets beaten by a horse who has breached the whip rules and you could argue had a competitive advantage so look I it doesn't quite sit, sit well with me at the moment I think either they've got to decide that um, it is a competitive advantage and, advantage and consider whether demoting a horse for, for breaking the whip rules will act as a proper deterrent or, or come up with another alternative that is going to actually deter jockeys from from breaking the whip rules because, yeah, as it stands, Mark Zara was able to breach those whip rules and still get away with the win. So it's sort of, yeah, it, I'm probably in the Jared Waitley camp that it doesn't quite fit, fit right with me uh, at, as the rules are written.
1: What chance it'll change?
12: Well, uh, the issue is that it's a national whip rule. So yep. I think Victoria would like to tweak the tweak the rules um you know part of the complicated part of the rule is that uh one section of the rule is about how many times you whip the horse before the 100 meter mark and a separate separate um number of counts is after the 100 meter mark so i think racing victoria would love to get rid of that before the before the 100 meter mark and just have it um as a, a counted in totality but um, yeah, getting uh, getting racing Victoria and racing New South Wales to agree on anything at racing Australia board level is uh, <laughs> we could spend half an hour on that, Jules.
1: <laughs> yeah, there's plenty to discuss there. Um, the Manicato was always such a big part of Cox Plate Eve. It's now part of Cox Plate uh, Day. Uh, what's the field looking like? Small field, field
12: of seven. I think they might be a little bit scared of. Uh, Imperatriz who won the Moyer, won the McEwen a couple of starts before that um, and won the William Reid in the autumn. Uh, going for the Triple Crown, Mooney Valley only has three Group 1 sprints. It's the William Reid in the autumn and then the Moyer and the Manicato. So, look, I think she's going to start something like a dollar forty-five. She's drawn barrier four, which isn't a big deal. But you know, she won the McEwen, beating Giga Kick, and everyone was sort of talking about how disappointing the ride was from Craig Williams on Giga Kick Well, she broke the track record there and then lined up in the uh, in the Moyer and, and broke her own track record two weeks later and there were offers for her to go to the Everest, um, I think she would have been really competitive there but the connections decided they wanted to keep her in Victoria where she's comfortable and I think she's going to take a ton of beating Buenos Noches comes out of the Everest and had a good run there he's probably one of the main dangers and Uncommon James is a, a another good sprinter from Queensland who runs third up here. IME is another horse from Mount wide. So it's a small and select field, uh, but Imperatrix is probably $1. forty-five is going to be hard to beat and hard to back again.
1: And just, Damien, before I let you go just quickly, right now, who's your favourite for the Melbourne Cup?
12: Uh, for the Melbourne Cup, well, it's, uh, the, the field's getting pretty thin. As I, as I mentioned, uh, without a fight and gold should look like the two from Outside, uh, out of the Caulfield Cup, that could win it, and then you've got Willie Mullins have horses, Bourbon and Absurd, who are coming out of Werribee. So, look, Bourbon's the the favourite as it stands, but uh, yeah, it's uh it's a pretty open race. I'll give you one at um, I'll give you one that might be worth an each way bet. Nice, Lostochka Craig mm-hmm. Williams dumps on. I think Craig has booted off Solcom for uh, Joe Marrera. He's picked up a pretty nice ride in Lostochka and. She will have the Australian bloodstock colours on, the same silks as uh, Gold Trip. They've imported her out from France, and she joins Mick Price and Mick Kent Jr.'s stable uh, for her first run in Australia in the Melbourne Cup. So she might be one at a a wider price that that might give uh, the punters something to to cheer.
1: Love it, Damien. As always, uh, appreciate your time. We uh, can't wait for another big day at the Valley on Saturday.
12: Anytime, Jules.
1: Cheers, mate. Damien Ratcliffe, the age chief racing rider. What's gambling really costing you for free and confidential support? Visit gamblinghelponline.org.au. Just to remind our Twitter poll, who goes out for Travis Head if he's available tomorrow night against the Netherlands. Vote now at Dwayne's World A Twitter page. Lap Slabashay is currently streaking away not it's a poll you want to win, 59%, Smith, 15%, Stornis, 20%, uh, other 6%. Give us a call, one 736 736 to have your say on that or any other issues uh, in the world of sport. Uh, Christy from Reservoir has been holding on, wants to respond to uh, Ross in Fremantle who joined us, joined us before Damien. G'day, Christy. G'day, Jules. How
13: are you going? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good. Thank you. Um, I'm just gonna yeah let you know, save you googling, and I'll look it up. Um, Melbourne Storm did put out a um, social media post that they have sent a letter back to Briggs um, in reply to the yes and the no yep. um, voting. And yeah, they've um, extended um, out a big chat for him to go and um, discuss the situation and move, and keep him hopefully to keep him um, at the club and being a member and given that he does love um, Melbourne yeah. and just to, more or less just to, so that offer has been there, um, sent out and for a right of a reply and to talk this out and, yeah, move on from it and put it behind them and, yeah, move together and make it better for all.
1: Awesome, Christy. Uh, appreciate uh, the update. I hadn't seen that, so uh, much appreciated. Welcome back to the show, Julian Destoop, sitting in for Dwayne Russell, Chris Anstey, former NBL and NBA star. Not too far away. So much to talk about in the world of basketball. The NBL uh, United flying, the Jack Jumpers flying. The NBA starts tomorrow. There's been some uh, mixed news for the Aussies in the NBA overnight. Three players being waived, one getting another contract. Josh Green extending three years, $41 million at the Dallas Mavericks. Ben Simmons is saying he's going to play at the Paris Olympics. Do we believe him? Uh, Plenty to chat to Chris Anstey about. But uh, Luke in Preston, Formula One guru, uh, has joined us. G'day, Lukey. You know,
4: Jules, how are you, mate?
6: I'm
1: good, mate. What do you got for us? Uh, race on the weekend. Uh, predictable result once again?
6: Yeah, it was. It was a pretty predictable result. Look, it was good to see that uh, Mercedes were, were pretty close. The gap was only, I think, two seconds by the end of the race, which is, you know, we'll take that as a win for now. But unfortunately, after the race, uh, Lewis Hamilton and Charles Leclerc were both disqualified a few hours later. So they both lost their results.
1: Take us through that, Luke. What what happened there, and was it the right decision?
6: Yeah, look, so it it all comes down to the board underneath the car. There's a a certain amount of wear that the car's allowed to have on the board underneath. Um, And after the race, they, you know, sort of like the random drug tests in in sport, they randomly test a few of the cars after the race. And uh, those two, they tested four cars, and, and Charles Leclerc and Lewis Hamilton's car were were two out of the four that were tested, and, and those two, uh, their boards under the car had had excessive wear, which is why they were disqualified, basically meaning their car was probably running too low throughout the race.
1: No, nah, well, by the rules. That sounds like that's the right decision. Not a great uh, weekend for the Aussies. Daniel Ricciardo, 15, so that was effectively last of all the cars that finish, and Oscar Piastri uh, did not finish the race. Uh, we're back in action this weekend, aren't we, in Mexico?
4: Yeah, that's
6: right. So straight away, we're back into it. Hopefully, Daniel Ricciardo actually looked pretty good, though, in qualifying. So, you know, the race wasn't really, didn't go his way. He did have some damage and the strategy was pretty poor. But he uh, he actually looks pretty good in qualifying. And I'm sure, you know, being able to go back-to-back back in Mexico this week, he should be, uh, you know, pretty much right up there with his partner, Yuki Tsunoda. But the big news at the moment is in Mexico the mexican hero uh, sergio perez yes there's a rumor circulating at the moment that he might actually announce his retirement from oh. formula 1 because, really yeah so yes yeah, so, so you're hearing it here first but the rumor is that he's going to actually ha- announce his retirement um, it, you know the results haven't been in his favor this year red bull have pretty much had enough uh, they've there's really no seats available for him for next season And his team and his management have sort of come up with the conclusion that it's probably best he retires from the sport and will look to go elsewhere for 2024.
1: Yeah, only 33 years of age. So what other opportunities may lay outside of Formula One in in terms of racing?
6: Look, if if this is true, if this is true and it it happens, um, there's so many categories out there now. And You know, with the caliber of of driver that he is, I'm sure he wouldn't struggle to pick up a, a spot even in maybe an IndyCar or Formula E or something like that if he does want to continue in racing. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this pans out because, like I said, it is speculated that he's going to make this announcement at his home Grand Prix this weekend. And that potentially is also going to open the door for Daniel Ricciardo to take that Red Bull seat next year. So. And it also brings Liam Lawson back into the picture as well. So there's a lot that's going to potentially take place this weekend, but we all got to wait to see if it's actually uh, going to come true.
1: Awesome, Luke. Uh, Thank you for the update. And uh, not long between races, as you say, back in action in Mexico this weekend. Beaumont Tiles is giving away a trip for two to American Footy's biggest game worth over $70,000 in Vegas. Uh, the Super Bowl next year. Just shop in-store at Beaumont's before November 12, and you're in with a chance. T's and C's apply. Speaking of the NFL, uh, Monday night football continues. Uh, if you don't want to know the score and the words of Sandy Roberts, just look away now or turn off your radio. Uh, and maybe you've got an upset on our cards here. The Vikings, 2-4 and four, up against the 49ers, 5-1. and one. It's in San Francisco. And just as we start the fourth term, it's currently the Vikings, 22 Uh, The 49ers 14, so potentially a bit of an upset there in Monday night football. Chris is going to join us uh, after the break. Craig Foster after 2 o'clock to talk some world game upside-downside. Your AFL team Heading into 2024, we'll start with the Bombers today for no reason. Just we'll start with the Bombers. And we'll find out about an important charity doing some great work in the mental health space uh, later on in the 2 o'clock hour as well. Just a couple off the 40 winks. Uh, Tempa, 0433 0433981116, the all-new Temper Pro. Temper's most adaptive mattress ever is here. A Temper mattress like no other. Just a couple on uh, the cricket. We've asked the question today, who needs to make way... For Travis Head, if he's available, uh, whether it's tomorrow night or for the game after, uh, minus Labuschagne is uh, winning that poll quite convincingly at the moment. Steve Smith, Marcus Stornis or other are uh, the other options at the Dwayne's World Twitter page. Uh, one here, Labuschagne needs to be left out for Head. Another one, Smith and Marnas should only be playing test cricket. White ball cricket is beyond these two chiselers. Uh, And a a J-Dog who loves his Bulldogs, for the Dogs to improve next year, they'll need at least five or six of their starting backs to either be a key position interceptor or a hybrid interceptor, i.e. the defenders need to be able to make a play as per the NFL defences. Example, Liam Jones, Sam Darcy, Ed Richards, Nick Caulfield, who of course comes across from the Saints, or one of James O'Donnell or Jed Bussingler. Jed Bussinger, who we didn't see this year uh, in his first year, first round draft pick, 198 centimetre key back, uh, who played in the VFL this year. Uh, Those guys are going to have to get to work if the Bulldogs uh, improve next year. And this text is coming from a Melbourne supporter. It says, if Melbourne don't sort out their off-field stuff, they will be a slider. Culture is terrible. And uh, in the Herald Sun in the last couple of hours, Michael Warner has published another article just with a bit more detail. We know there's... Uh, Glenn Bartlett is taking the, the footy club uh, to the courts. So just a bit more detail around some of the discussions that were held uh, back then around about uh, maybe some of the behaviour of uh, Simon Goodwin and uh, some of the concerns that Glenn Bartlett – A hat around that that has been published in the Herald Sun uh, in the last couple of hours. Welcome back to the show. Julian Destoop, sitting in for Dwayne Russell. So much happening in the world of hoops at the moment. The NBL is up and running. It's been a great start to the season. The NBA gets underway tomorrow. And uh, we're joined now by former NBL and NBA star and co-host of the Has Been Hoops podcast. He's not in America watching the NBA. He's not here watching the NBL. He's in New Zealand. Chris Anstey, what are you doing in New Zealand? Get
14: our jewels out now. They're, uh, they're national three on three tournaments down here in Invercargill and
0: mm.
14: uh, uh, recently invested in one of the teams over here. So, having a look at uh, at the boys and the girls run around, meet some people and uh, enjoying New Zealand basketball.
1: Plenty of talent on display. Well, it starts tomorrow. I'll let you know. We're <laughs> um,
14: we're fascinated to have a look.
1: Uh, excellent. Uh, before we get on to the NBA, it starts tomorrow and there's so many. Storylines to discuss uh, around, uh, you know, some of the established stars, some of the new stars coming into the competition. Uh, one in particular, uh, and the Aussies. Uh, NBL so far, Melbourne United team to beat, or is that taking a little bit away from the the Jack Jumpers who have also had a great start to the season?
14: It's the two you mentioned that have been really impressive, and especially where you just really appreciate the depth that Melbourne United have in their roster when they lose Matthew Dover for. You know, at least a few weeks under, with, with concussion protocols. and We hope he's, that he's OK. But I was at the game against the New Zealand Breakers, who are one of the more talented teams on paper in the league. And, you know, even though they kept it interesting, you, you just never had the sense that they had enough to get over the top of United, even being a little bit shorthanded. And, yeah, you know, I haven't seen the, the jack jumpers in person yet, and I like to do that before I really you know, have a judgment on them. But you speak to a few coaches or assistant coaches from other teams. And they, they just really believe that the Jack Jumpers are one of the best two or, two or three teams in the league this year. They they move the ball great. They're well coached. Um, clearly, the culture they established in year one's holding strong. And, you know, they sit second on the ladder at the moment behind United. But, I mean, I guess the talking point always becomes really quickly, as it does in footy, that you know, there's a few teams that are struggling, a few coaches who probably have to prove they deserve... Extensions of their contracts or to see the season out. And, you know, Adelaide are struggling, yep. Illawarra are struggling, and uh, and the Perth Wildcats. It's, you know, it's unusual for, for those who've been around basketball for a long time to see the Perth Wildcats struggle in consecutive years. But here we are in year three, and they're sort of, they're, you know, they've they're fallen from the peak a little bit the last three years.
1: Melbourne United didn't have Ariel Huck last year after that uh, Achilles tendon injury. Uh, He's made a great start to the season. He's in the next uh, program. Uh, Do you expect this young man will be playing in the NBA come next season? I
14: sure do. I I think he's a first-round draft pick. Um, He's put on a lot of strength and probably another, it's credit to Melbourne United that of all the places in the world he could have gone, including home, he he chose to stay. This will be his third year actually in Melbourne, but He's a wonderful young man. He, he's put on, on a lot of strength. He, he's, he's just different. And if you look what the NBA needs, if you're to put a young big next to some talented stars, it's people like him who can finish around the rim, you know, protect the rim on the defensive end. He's got pretty good hands and he runs the floor well. So I certainly see his game translating into an NBA game. And uh, no, I've been really impressed with what he's been able to do. certainly see him being drafted after this season.
1: Speaking of uh, players that protect the rim, run the floor, can shoot the ball, uh, Victor Wembanyama is uh, an amazing <laughs> talent. That footage we saw the other day blocks the shot, runs down and uh, jacks up a three. Uh, how good can he be in his first season? I mean, everyone's going to be watching him. How good can he be from the get-go?
14: I, it's interesting. I called a few people last week. and I said, look, could he win? I don't think a rookie's ever even been considered the win defensive player of the year. I just I, I just think he's so different and so engaged because you don't often get guys that tall. I've seen a few in the league, but not with that level of talent and timing. And I just think the way he's able to impact the game on the defensive end is just incredible. And you know, you're already seeing footage of, of teams with assistant coaches running around with pool floaties, you know, the big noodle, the pool noodles, and <laughs> throwing them around just to, just to get them used to playing against him. So, look, he, he's just a fun watch. I'm fascinated. I don't know what his feeling is. I don't think anyone does yet. But um, the fact he can impact the game at both ends of the floor with his talent and just being so uniquely different uh, they're going to be one of the most watched. You know, the Spurs this season will be one of the most most watched teams in the NBA this season, just because of him. And I, I guess it's a reason before he got drafted, everyone was talking about him being a generational talent, you know, one like we haven't seen since LeBron James.
1: We're speaking to Chris Anstey, former NBA and NBA star, co-host of the Has Been Hoops podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if you've caught up with the news today, but a couple of uh, boomers. Have been waived from their NBA contracts. Uh, Jack White, Xavier Cooks, and Duop Wreath was similar. Now he's been given a a two way contract. Can you just explain what the two way contract means, and what do you think this means for for Jack White and Xavier Cooks in the short term?
14: Yeah, I, know. I hope they both pick up a two way as well. Essentially, what it means is their their full contract isn't guaranteed on the roster, so they'll be or do will be allocated to the affiliate team or G League team of the Portland Trailblazers, and they have first right to bring him back in if required. So it would take another team offering him a guaranteed contract to get him away from Portland. But, you know, it's an interesting time of year where teams carry too many players through training camp. With the season starting tomorrow, they've got to reduce their roster to 15 at the most. And, you know, as you say, Jack and Xavier, unfortunately, weren't well, didn't make that cut. And so, yeah, it's a really interesting time for both of them. Uh, Jack's been in the G League for a year now. He was around the Nuggets, found himself at OKC. And, you know, he's 26 years old and he's an exceptional player here in the NBL. You, you wonder how he's evaluated because as much as he does everything really well, he's not the absolute best at one particular thing. And that's what the NBA tends to want from players yep. that age. And same as Xavier. So I, I, I'm not sure where they end up selfishly. You always hope that these guys, once uh, they're not in the NBA, there's a spot for them back in the Mm. NBL, but I guess that's the catch-22, isn't it? We want them to go over and play, but if they don't stick, we've got no room left in the salary cap to bring them home. So it's a tricky one. Uh, I hope they find their two-way... I hope they get their two-way deals. I hope they play some NBA games that of course, if not, we hope we don't lose them to uh, to Europe or Asia as a result of not having a spot available here in the NBL.
1: Always a lot of focus on Ben Simmons. Uh, some of the signs in the preseason have been good. He said uh, in the last 48 hours that he, he's going to play uh, at the Paris Olympics for the Boomers. Um, what do you expect from Ben this season? And when he says, I am going to play uh, in Paris, do you believe him?
14: You know, even if he says that, it's still, I uh, would like to be available to play, I think would be a better way to phrase it with the history mm. uh, he's had. You know, did he'd like to be available? Look, let's see how the regular season goes. I'm glad we're talking about Ben Simmons on a basketball court and his improvement over this preseason. He's starting to get back to something that resembles a very solid NBA player. Uh, he's getting on the rim. He's moving the ball well. You know, he doesn't. he looks to have lost some of that self-doubt. And his body seems to be holding up, so let's see how he goes in the in the opening weeks and months of this season. And at the moment, it's just an idea. Um, you know, Brian gorgian has got a lot of NBA players to choose from, and a lot of talented players here at home uh, who have runs on the board. And I suppose the, the, the tricky part with someone like Ben, even if he is available, you know, he, we, we've already got Josh Diddy, and Josh is an incredible playmaker. He's got great length. Um, everybody loves him. You'd, probably, you'd argue that Josh's perimeter shots his weakness, and if you put Ben on the same floor as Josh, it makes Australia a lot more easy, to, or not more easy to guard a lot. Uh, strategically, you, you guard us a little bit differently, so you probably need a few other guys who can shoot the ball well, so yeah, we hope that he's available, we hope that he wants to play, and uh, let's see where the cards fall in nine months' time.
1: Before I let you go, uh, plenty tipping the Celtics for the title this year. Others tipping the Bucks. They've both made significant off-season signings. Who do you like? Well, obviously, I haven't even started yet. Very early tip for the NBA title this year.
14: Uh, I just still like Denver. I think yep. Nikola Jokic is the best player in the world right now, and he's the sort of guy that makes everybody else around him better. Janice is a little bit like that, but uh, I don't think any of those Celtics guys necessarily as great as they are they don't make the players around them go to a different level I, I think Nikola Jokic does that um, so until somebody knocks them off I still think they're going to be really tough to beat but certainly there are so many teams who it absolutely wouldn't surprise me if you turned them me in nine months and said they're the NBA champions which I think is great for NBA fans
1: yeah can't wait for it to all get underway uh, tomorrow as always Chris uh, thanks for your time and uh, enjoy your time over in New Zealand thanks Jules. Always great to chat to Chris Anstey, of course, MBL, NBA star and co-host of the Has Been Hoops podcast. This is Dwayne's World for Kangen Institute. Unleash you at Kangen Institute. Enroll now. It's time to unleash you at Kangen Institute. Enroll
0: now. Kangen.edu.au. RTO 3077.
1: Dwayne's World with Dwayne Russell. Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Big final hour coming up. Craig Foster will join us later on this half an hour to talk all things the world game, the Premier League, the A-League. The Matildas are back in Australia for the first time since that memorable World Cup campaign. They got three Olympic qualifiers uh, over in Perth. Expected about a hundred thousand fans across the three games. Uh, for those matches. So we'll talk to Craig about everything going on uh, in the world of football. Also, uh, later on this day, we're going to find out about a very important charity doing some great work uh, in the mental health space and uh, proudly supported by one of our good supporters of the station, uh, Insignate. So we'll do that uh, later on in the half an hour. But uh, right now, we're going to do a bit of this. Oh, that is a magnificent Down. sting, as we like to call it in the industry. Uh, upside, downside. So what we want is the upside. For, we're focusing on Essendon today. We're going to go through all the clubs. Uh, the upside, or some upsides heading into 2024, and some of the downsides. So I'll give you a few examples off the 40 Winks uh Temper, uh, Albert and Tim are hanging on. They're going to give us their thoughts uh, of what we're sort of looking for. So, Chris in Batemans Bay is a big bomber. Barracks for Arsenal. Won't hold that against him. Hey, Jules, the Bombers have a massive upside. Defensively stronger. Expect a lift from Reed and Cox. Dersma adds class. The Davy Twins and Tex Wanganeem will get better and better and will get a full preseason under Scotty. It all points to a positive 2024 for him. I'm sitting. Khan the Bombers, says Chris in Batemans Bay. Another one here. All other teams look to improved and the Bombers don't look like they have added much and they paid overs for Ben Mackay, a player that's injury prone. So I'm really worried. Now, that's a bit of a misnomer that he's injury prone. So if you go through his last three years, 2021, he played 22 games. So he played every game. Uh, He played 15 games in 2022 and 19 games this year. So you look at his career, it's 71 games over about eight seasons. But in recent times, he's played most of those games. So I don't think his body... Uh, is a big concern. And then we've got one more down here. This is I don't know if this is the sort of stuff we want, but, you know, everyone's entitled to their, their opinion. Carlton supporter, Cam from Churnside Park. Jules, upside and downside. Upside. Closer to your first finals win in nearly 7,000 days. Downside. They'll just keep losing finals, says Cam in Churnside Park. Mitch, that's not funny. Hey, Rod, that's not funny. Well, we've won a flag more recently than you, Cam. So, anyway, let's get to the lines. Uh, Albert in Essendon wants to join in this conversation. G'day, Albert. Hi, Jules.
4: How are you going, I'm mate? I'm
1: good, mate. How are you?
4: I'm doing well. Hey, uh, upside for your team. People want to go there now. I mean, how extraordinary. That, that hasn't happened for a long time. So, your your, your side is attracting players, or wrongly, and whoever play, people want to be a part of what Scottie's selling. So,
0: yeah. that's got to be a
4: positive for you. Um, downside I don't understand why he took the ruck at 35 years of age I know it'll free up Draper Um, she's do much for North this year I think that's uh, going to struggle for you and I think this year was a great year that we saw was important The ball out of the middle and as a Hawthorne member I look forward I'm supposed to hate Essendon but I just can't I like the team I really do I look forward to making the 8 this year and shutting these people up about how long it's been since you've won a final it's um It'll come around when it comes around. So, yeah, it'll bring on next year. I missed the, miss the footy already.
1: Uh, so you're a Hawthorne fan and you don't hate Essendon. I'm just trying to work out how that works, Albert.
4: Just... Yeah, look, I, I was there for the line of the sand game and I think both teams gave as good as they got. The only – I just can't bring my head to dislike them. I really can't. Um, I like what they've brought. I like a lot of their players over the journey. You've been a great uh, side to watch, especially around the 2000 marks. Look, I just
1: can't see Geelong. (laughs) It's funny. A lot of Hawthorne fans are are like that these days. I think it was Essendon for a long time. uh, But for those a little bit younger, hello A-Rod, it certainly is Geelong is the modern-day rival. Thanks for your call, uh, Albert. Yeah, I don't think Todd Goldstein's been bought in to free up Sam Draper. I think it's a bit of insurance, to be honest. Uh, You know, Draper had his issues with his body this year. He had surgery after the season. He won't be back up and running and training until the new year, I think you've got to have three genuine rucks on your list. So they've got Draper, they've got Nick Bryan, who showed towards the end of the year that uh, he's not too far away from being ready to be a regular AFL player. And then they don't have anyone else apart from that. You know, Peter Wright and Sam Wiedemann can pinch it, but they're not rucks. Uh, so I think as a free agent, I think it makes a little bit of sense. Uh, Todd Goldstein coming in. Let's get to Tim in Brighton. G'day, Timmy. G'day, Jules. Look, um, yeah,
0: you know, I agree with you 100% regarding uh, Todd Goldstein. He's been brought in as insurance for Draper because of um, you know what he's had to undergo just recently. But um, the, the upside for Essendon is no question. They had the most, probably the most productive trade period of all the AFL teams. You know, with you know not just not just fringe players, but players with uh, real names and and uh, some credibility behind them. Like as we just mentioned, Goldstein, Mackay, and Gresham and and, and 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 uh, and they did all that as well as maintaining their um or still holding on to their uh, their draft picking side the, the top ten so the, the upside is no no doubt those players and uh, uh, you could also add to the upside um, Scott you know already having uh, dipped his uh, feet into the water he, he's um, you know he's, he's been there now he he will have settled in a little bit. Um, he would have got the lay of the land he would have put down his um, stamp of authority so that's another upside the, the, the downside I'm thinking is that um, in particular with some of those players you brought in like uh, Gresham and Dersma, you know they've got great potential and people can see that potential but that those sort of players don't end up delivering and uh, uh, you know the, the, the gamble that you've taken uh, doesn't pay off.
1: Interesting one, Xavier Dursma. I think it's a it's an interesting selection. Um, look, looking at, you know, people are already doing their best 22s and people have whacked him straight on a wing at Essendon. Well, they've got Nick Martin. And everyone's forgot about Sammy Durham in these best 22s. He's not even on the bench in most of them. He had a really good season, uh, young player, top 10 in the best and fairest. So, you know, Xavier Dursma's going to have to work hard to, to get one of those two out of their uh, position. So, um, and Gresham, interesting. Really interesting. If you can get back to the form he showed uh, early on in his career as a mainly a small Ford, he's certainly an upgrade of what the Bombers have got uh, in that area. Thanks for your call, Tim. Uh, $50 e-gift card coming your way. Redeemable online or in-store. Thanks to the House of Golf, your one-stop shop for all things golf. Uh, plenty coming through about the Bombers uh, on the 40 Wings uh, temper. Uh, Cam from Churnside Parks, come back. Jules can't argue with you on the flag. Nothing like good banter in footy. I agree. Cam, uh, upside for Essendon. Only have to watch their rubbish football six months of the year. It's a bit rough. Uh, The midfield just not good enough. Not enough rotations. Another one saying not enough size uh, in the midfield, which has been a thing at Essendon probably for uh, a long time. Uh, Upside uh, for two-thirds of the year, they were pretty good. They were fifth after round 17. They played some good footy against the top sides. They showed for you know, two-thirds that they can play some good footy. They've got a key defender now in Ben Mackay. I know it's mixed, the reviews on, on Ben Mackay, how good he is, but he's his one-on-one numbers are good. His intercept um, numbers are good. His body's been good the last three years, so he's going to make them better uh, in defence. And as uh, Tim mentioned then, Brad Scott's had 12 months to have a good look at the club. He's got another pre-season. Um, you know, he's made it pretty clear with some of his statements, not about... Uh, living an elite lifestyle. It's an elite AFL lifestyle. So no doubt he's put the pressure on the players uh, to set better standards and come back as fit as possible uh, in the preseason. Downsides defensively got a long way to go. Still very poor defensively. Uh, is there a key forward that can support Peter Wright? Harry Jones, a lot of injuries. Sam Wiedemann didn't work. And they've got a young player, Jaden Hunter, who came across in the mid-season draft who looked okay uh, before he suffered an injury uh, in the VFL. And they've got three high draft picks that haven't played much footy. Nick Cox, Zach Greed, and Harry Jones. Cox has played 33 games in three years, uh, only 11 in the last two after playing 22 in his debut season. Zach Greed's played eight games in three years. And Harry Jones has played 31 in four. So they invested a lot at the draft table in those three players. They need to get out there and play some footy in 2023. Let's get to Gary and Malvin before the break. G'day, Gaz. Yeah, look, uh, the Bombers have
11: certainly got um, to get somebody to do their fitness and get them fed all the time because injuries have them this year and they won't do any good until they get a fitness guru, okay?
1: Gotti Garrett, yeah, injuries have been a problem, uh, soft tissue injuries and some players uh, with repeat injuries. If you look at, you know, Zach Reid's had his you know, back issues. Harry Jones has had foot issues. You know, they've got to get Jake Stringer fit and firing because he is the one that can make a, a big difference uh, with the game on the line. So good call. Gary, appreciate it. We'll do another club tomorrow. We'll just work out after the show which club we're going to go tomorrow. Maybe it might be A-Rod's Hawks. Could be Mitch's Tigers. Welcome back to the show. Plenty happening in the world of football. The A League and W League are underway. The Matildas are back in Australia for some Olympic qualifiers. The Premier League, the Champions League, and the Europa League are back this weekend. And you can watch every UEFA Champions League match, exclusive and ad free, live and on demand on Stan Sports. A key part of their telecast is Craig Foster, Stan Sport football commentator, has been good enough to join us this afternoon. G'day, Craig.
15: Yeah, how are you going? Always a pleasure.
1: Always a pleasure to speak to you. Uh, Ange Postacoglu created a little bit more history this morning. Uh, No manager in their first nine games in the Premier League has taken 23-plus points. But typical Ange style, uh, Craig, uh, happy to get the win, but uh, he made it clear to his players afterwards that not happy with the second-half performance.
15: No, but they have been brilliant to date, haven't they? And so, uh, you know, eventually you knew that there was going to be some sort of... uh, you know imbalance in performances, but as long as they continue to get the results, fantastic. So no, everyone's very very proud of Ange. Uh, you know it's an incredible start to the season, and seeing an Australian on top of the uh, on top of the Premier League table with Spurs just I think sums up you know this uh, beautiful time, really positive time, exciting time for all of Australian football this year.
1: How long can they keep getting results this season? Do you think, Craig? When you look at the Spurs squad compared to some of the other. Teams right up the top of the table, they don't have the depth in their squad and they might be in trouble if they lose a couple of their key assets to injury. Um, how long do you think they can be right up that pointy end of the table?
15: Well, they'll, I'm sure that they will have them in you know, the top four, let's say. Um, I mean, they have been there for quite a long time, of course. Um, and it was only, what, 2019, yep. I think, when they that's were right. at the Champions League final. And that's why when... Ange had the opportunity to go across the Spurs. We're all so excited because, you know, they are a genuine top four club. So, you know, that's where they should be. Not necessarily on top, though. You know, that's an incredible job to get them there, particularly only having, what, probably a month of work prior to the season. You know, they come out here to Perth, of course, uh, but it's not a lot of time to change them around. But, you know, he's proven his uh, capability to do that incredibly quickly at all the clubs he's been at, whether it was in Japan or across at Celtic and now Spurs. So... Uh, We're confident that he's going to keep them up there. Uh, Of course, it's a big challenge to be able to win something, but you you see what the response of fans, first fans all around the world, they're so delighted simply because, you know, he's placing, uh, replacing a guy in Antonio Conte, whose football was just so Boring. horrid. You know, we used to watch it on the Champions League. <laughs> it just, at times, it was just so difficult to watch. So, you know, everyone is obviously so thrilled just to have some good football.
1: Is it, uh, It's only earlier, only nine games. Yet. Is it shaping as one of the more even races for the title for quite some time? You know, City probably had a couple of injuries, haven't hit their best yet. you got Liverpool there, Arsenal, Tottenham. Some of the football, Newcastle producing villas, yeah. playing some good football. Does it strike you as one of the more even races yeah. for quite some time?
15: I think that's right, which is why you know, we're all watching uh, you know, with such interest um, because you know, this is a good season, I think, for Ange to be starting there as well because look what happened with Liverpool last year. So you know, you're never quite sure this season what they're going to be capable of. They had a horrible season last year after so many years of success under Klopp, so he has to rebuild them. Um, And therefore, I think it's a little bit of a transitional season. You see what Emery's doing at Villa. It's brilliant. You know, you've got uh, also Brighton under Deserby who are doing fabulous work. So some of the smaller clubs, that's not Spurs. Spurs is kind of in the middle, right? You know, it's a massive club, but without the success of the the other, uh, you know, really wealthy clubs. But these uh, smaller clubs are coming up now. They've got some good managers playing some good football. So, You know, there are, what you saw with Manchester City is already two losses this season. So there are going to be moments where all of the teams are up and down, and that's good for the competition. You know, we don't need Manchester City just continuing year after year after year to pick up the title. You want others to be in the race.
1: Absolutely, no clubs ever won four Premier League titles in a row. So um, they're going to have to create history this year's city if they're going to do it. Opening uh, weekend of the A-League, Craig, good start for victory, good start for Western United, defeating Melbourne. So I just want to take you back to the, the game uh, with Adelaide. We're always looking for exciting young talents coming through and the A-League has produced so many. How good can young Nestori Iracunda be?
15: Oh, what, a, what a phenomenal player. Well. You know, he's being talked about as one of the best players that we've seen for 20, maybe 30 years. So he certainly looks as though he has the talent of some of the best players we've ever produced, that's for sure. But more than that, he's got such incredible confidence at a young age, uh, and that's what's so very, very exciting about him. It's one thing to have talent, it's another to be able to bring it to life and make sure that you can perform regularly, firstly, which is difficult for young players, uh, and secondly, you know, maintain the highest of levels. He's... he's demonstrated he's capable of doing that, whether it's for the underage Australian teams or, or indeed for Adelaide. So, look, we're very, very excited. I saw a stat the other day that Australia has just exceeded, the, the, uh, the APL has exceeded the amount, I think, for the last 10 or 15 years of sales of players abroad in the last 12 months. And I think that's very much in line with the fact that you're just now starting to see a new generation of really exciting young players come through. And the the generational change of the Socceroos has also been very, very exciting. We saw only last week a really positive performance against England by the Socceroos. You know, just taking the game to them, not wanting to sit back, as it would have done many, many times in the past, creating plenty against them and giving that young group confidence that they can take on anyone. It's great to see.
1: What's the best path for a young player like that in the next couple of years, do you think? We've seen, you know, some really exciting young talents Head overseas pretty early. You know, Daniel Arzani, it didn't really work. You know, injuries really hurt him. You know, Grant Quall's gone over to Scotland uh, in early days. Is it best to stay in Australia for a couple of years and just keep playing? Or if there is that move to go to Europe pretty soon, is it is it something you got to take?
15: Yeah, it's, it's actually a difficult choice for all of the young players. Um and it takes really good advice. Around the reason why it's difficult is because it really comes down to the player, it comes down to their personality, it comes down to maturity, it comes down to their growth uh, and their capabilities. And so, for example, in the past, the um, the data is quite mixed. Uh, over overall or overwhelmingly, it says that people like Veduca and Zelic and Ocon and you know so many of the the, the majority of our legends have made their way here for at least a few years. Mm. They've matured here in professional. That was semi-pro at the time. Uh, and now, you know, the level is fully professional. So they mature here. Um, they become a young man rather than just a boy coming in. You know, he all play 16, 17 in the NFL. Uh, and then they were much better equipped to go into what is a really, uh, you know, can be a difficult uh, professional environment abroad. Others, though, of course, you saw what happened with, you know, Timmy Cale, Lucas Neal. Uh, and um, Harry Kuhl, you know, where they went very young, um, you know, and didn't actually play in the domestic competition. So it takes, um, you know, in these situations, it takes people around them, takes a coach who has their best interests at heart, takes, you know, a manager or whoever's looking after their interests to make sure that they are ready psychologically as much as playing. You know, they might be fantastic, mm. but they've still got some growth to do. And once you get thrown into a, a change room at a you know, high-level professional club in Europe, then that can get exposed very quickly. The other thing I think that we really need to think about is um, you know, where our young players go. And, and I know over the last couple of years, there's been a big push again, as there was many years ago, to send a lot of players over to the Scottish Premier League. Yep. Um, there's probably a bit of visibility there. You know, Ange was there. I think my, my view today would be that um, the SPL is a very good coach pathway today. It's not necessarily yeah. the best player pathway according to the players that we're trying to produce. You know, it's great for Ange. You know, we've got, uh, you know, the ex-Central Coast Mariners um, coach across there now. You know, Kevin Muscat is looking at it. So, you know, that's that's brilliant now for our coaches. But the league they go into is really important. And then you saw with Garrett Cole. You go to a big club like Newcastle, but it's got no guarantee of playing. And then you get loaned out to a club where you perhaps can't give your best. So it, it is a very complex decision.
1: Yeah, it is is tough for for young men and their their managers to make this decision. We're talking to Craig Foster, Stan Sport Football Commentator. Uh, Craig, Matilda's back in town. Uh, Ticket sales have been amazing, as you would expect, for their three Olympic qualifying matches in Perth, Iran, Philippines, and Chinese Taipei. Uh, The Matildas play, I guess, with the Matildas now, we just expect them to win every time they play, and we'll be expecting them to win probably these three games pretty convincingly.
15: Well, that is true, uh, whilst you, know, you don't want to you know, underestimate the opponents, So you saw what, what the Philippines did also in the World Cup where you know, they, they were able to get their first point ever and so on. So they, games can be difficult and, and at times difficult to win. Um, you know, if the other team has an outstanding performance or the keeper plays really well, you know, I mean, Iran, for example, is you know, 63 in the world and, and the others are similar. So Australia, of course, expects to get through this. But more than that, um, it's an opportunity for them to come back together, to play in front of over 100,000 people with a ticket the tickets that have been sold. I was reading this morning... Uh, the last time they played in Perth was <laughs> in 2018, so five years ago they played in front of 7,950 Amazing. people. Yeah, uh, and today, you know, uh, in coming weeks they're going to play in front of more than a hundred thousand people. Uh, you know, that really sums up their growth the growth of women's football and the growth of women's sport in Australia. It's wonderful to see.
1: It is, and uh, I'm sure the girls will put on a good show. Champions League back tomorrow morning, uh, 5.35am, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. It's Sevilla v Arsenal. And then on Thursday morning, uh, this is probably the most interesting group in the Champions League, isn't it, Foss? Newcastle and Borussia Dortmund and uh, AC Milan and PSG. And so far, Newcastle have been outstanding.
15: <laughs> they were great in their first game, really quite incredible. And uh, it was around 20 years since they had been in the Champions League, and in their first game, uh, you know, at home, their first home game, they smashed PSG, one of the richest clubs in the world, 4-1, and it could have been 8-1. It was an incredible performance at home, and you saw, you know, St James's Park, the way that the uh, Newcastle fans responded naturally was, you know, quite incredible. And that's what the Champions League dreams are all about, you know, trying to. Um, take on the very best and the richest clubs in the world. So uh, Sevilla and Arsenal tomorrow morning, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a top-class game of football. Uh, Sevilla won the Europa League last year, yep. of course. They like European football. Usually the Europa, not so much Champions League. But uh, they they replaced their coach last week, Diego Alonso, ex-Uruguay coach, has come in and got a draw on the weekend against uh, Real Madrid uh, and created plenty in that game. Very aggressive, you know, passing forward, um, you know, kind of impatient style of play, which can be nice to watch. Uh, and, of course, Arsenal got some of the best football in the world at the moment. You know, they, they're rekindling, you know, the the era of Wenger, I think, under Arteta. Just just aesthetically, you know, to me, they're one of the better teams to watch. I'm always happy to sit and watch them, though I'm not a Gunners fan. Uh, so, brilliant young uh, group of players, you know, Saka and others who are doing amazing stuff. Of course, Odegaard, the captain, is just, you know, he's just you know, stepped to an, a, a whole new level uh, Arsenal, uh, you know, back in the Champions League again after you know quite some years. So for them is also a big challenge. Uh, and as you said, for Newcastle, well, PSG, gee, you know, we'll see how they go. They they usually make at least the quarterfinals, semifinals, or beyond. Um, but with Newcastle against Dortmund, that would be interesting. Dortmund sitting um, you know high again, once again alongside Bayern Munich, up uh, up high in the Bundesliga, uh, and certainly have the capability to do Newcastle some damage.
1: Craig, always a pleasure to have you on the program. We can't wait for the Champions League football tomorrow morning and the following morning. And, of course, the Matildas as well. So much happening in the world of football. Thanks for your time. Fantastic. Pleasure. Always great to chat to Craig Foster, Stan, sport football commentator. Watch every UEFA Champions League match exclusive and ad-free live and on demand on Stan sport. And for Liverpool fans, 5.35 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. Friday morning, uh, they host Toulouse in the Europa League. (laughs) It is time for Lost in the Wash. Thanks to rjsanderson.com.au. R.J. Sanderson Associates are accountants and taxation specialists. Take the stress out of tax. Now, Jared Waitley had a lot to say yesterday on the whip rules following uh, the suspension for Mark Zara after his ride uh, on the Caulfield Cup winner without a fight on Saturday. And we spoke to Damien Ratcliffe, uh, the chief racing rider of the age, earlier about it uh, on the show today. Now, Mark Zara had the chance to respond uh, when he caught up with uh, Gareth Hall this morning. This is what he had to say on SEN Track.
10: About all this, um, that fine and the the, the the whip talk, we had a bit of a debate on Giddy Up and Waitley's show yesterday. What's your, your take on that,
1: Mark? Oh, geez, I think he was very harsh, uh, yes. uh, Waitley. Was, <laughs> yeah. The blatant disregard for the rule was way too harsh, I reckon. If you Look, I broke the rules. I deserve a fine, but anyone to say it was blatant disregard, I, I think no one could watch that race and if they didn't know that I had got whip fine or that, they wouldn't even have known because, they, I, I mean, I didn't even hit him the last 75 metres. I just had to get up him quick to make ground in a short amount of time. And uh, Can
10: yeah. you count them? Do you know, is it, is it difficult to count when you're in the, like you've got the adrenaline running and you're about to win a Caulfield Cup?
1: Look, it's easy to count in a 2400 Bendigo maiden yes. because you know what's up. But when you're in a Caulfield Cup, that sort of stuff goes out the window. So that was Mark Zara uh, responding uh, to Jared Whateley there with Gareth Hawke. It's an it's an issue that uh, evokes a lot of passion, and be interesting to see whether the rules changes. Damien Ratcliffe said it's not. A Victorian racing issue, it's a national rule. Um, so whether there'll be changes down the track, who knows? Uh, you can give us a quick call, 1300 736 736, if there's something that is lost in the wash that you want to mention. Just a couple of other stories we, we haven't quite got to. Uh, NFL Monday Night Football uh, is over. Uh, if you don't want to know the score, you're watching it on replay. Uh, turn the radio off. My mistake before I said the game was in San Francisco. It was actually in Minnesota and the home team hung on for a bit of an upset victory over the high-flying San Francisco 49ers. Uh, So the Vikings 22, uh, the 49ers 17. So just the second loss of the season uh, for the San Francisco 49ers and a big night at the AFLW uh tribunal tonight. Now we know in the AFL this season the dangerous tackle was such a big story, so many players uh being suspended, you know, probably the the James Sicily one where he got 3 weeks was probably when it was at its most passionate uh in terms of the debate. So uh Brittany Goodneck from the Bulldogs has been sent straight to the tribunal uh tonight uh for an incident on Saturday at the Witten Oval uh and it's it's invoked a fierce response uh from some former uh, AFLW players uh, who believe it's not right. It wasn't a dangerous tackle, and therefore it shouldn't be being sent to the tribunal. So there was a concussion out of the incident. If you watch the incident, if you can, you can log on to Twitter or the AFL website to have a look. It, it doesn't look like it. There's no sort of slinging motion. It just looks like a good, strong tackle. I'm not sure, as Jared said this morning, it'll fit the criteria for being... A dangerous tackle, but because of the injury, it had to go straight to the tribunal. And therefore, it's a a three-plus week suspension if found guilty. But it's a really interesting case um, at the AFLW uh, tribunal tonight, uh, given it was such a controversial issue uh, in the men's competition. And I think most that have commented on this one, involved in AFLW, former players, former coaches, believe that Brittany Gutnick is very unlucky uh, if she is uh, suspended uh, tonight uh, for that incident. So we'll keep a close eye on that one tonight at the AFLW Tribunal. Now, after the break, uh, we're going to speak to Hayley Georgia and Maddie Hocking. They're founders of It's Okay Not To Be Okay. It's very important when it comes uh, to mental health. We're going to find out from the girls exactly what it's all about and why they've set that up. That's on the other side on Dwayne's World. For Kangan Institute, Unleash You at Kangan Institute, Enroll now. Welcome back to the show, Julian De Stoop sitting in for Dwayne Russell. Uh, mental health, it's such an important issue that we've got to all be talking about. We've been lucky enough to be joined by Haley Georgia and Maddie Hocking in the studio. They're the founders of It's Okay Not To Be Okay. Girls, welcome and uh, thanks for your time.
13: Thanks, thanks for, for having, having us.
1: <laughs> oh, Beautiful, look at that. The synchronicity. And you've all got the, the T-shirts on. It's okay not to be okay. Just tell us about... The foundation and, and, and how it came to be.
16: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> so, be... we started the charity in 2016 after we lost our brother Ben to suicide. Um, we were really shocked by the death, we didn't see it coming, and it was through our grief that we started the charity.
1: Mm. So, when you <laughs> when you say you didn't see it coming, there was Sort of no signs that he was battling, he hadn't spoken about it.
16: No. So we've now found, so we've been running the charity for a long time and I'm a social worker, I used to work for Headspace. And there's this thing that's called situational crisis. And we see this more with men. An event happens in their life, a breakup, uh, maybe some trouble with their jobs, whatever it might be. They go into crisis, they don't have the toolkit to cope and they think that taking their own lives is the solution. So this is what happened with Ben. He actually bought his lunches for the week um, and then died, you know, mm. that night. And he was very tight with his money. So he wouldn't have
8: bought
1: it. <laughs> you <know? laughs> so, so you've had the foundation going since 2016 and you mentioned men there and men traditionally don't talk about their feelings, good or mm. bad. If In the seven years you've been doing it, are we are we getting anywhere with men being more open and talking about their feelings or is there still, particularly I... young men, is there a long way to go?
13: I think we've definitely, especially in the probably the last three or four years, made some massive headway. Mm -hmm. Um, Men are able to speak up about going to a psychologist, telling their friends, saying, hey, I saw this bloke. He was good. He's helped me this week. You know, if you're struggling, you should too. Even the people reaching out to the page and people we meet at our events and talks, I think in the last three to four years, we've come a long way. Also seeing like celebrities and mm. sportsmen men coming out when footballers are struggling and they're taking time off. I think it just, you know, all filters through that, you know, if you're having a bad time, you can take a break and it's, it's good for them to see.
1: Yeah, there's really no stigma there anymore, even though you get the feeling some people still think there is.
17: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, we'll yeah, just... I think it's as touching on what Hayley said, in terms of like, have we, like how much further have we got to go? Like, I think there's always going to be work to do in that mental health area, especially for men. But I think, yeah, we are making waves and it is becoming like not a taboo subject to talk about.
1: So tell us about the foundation and what sort of programs you support.
17: 100%. So
16: basically we do a few things. The first thing is that we have a social media page, Facebook, Instagram, and this is where we build mental health literacy The other thing that we do is we gift grief packs to those that have lost loved ones. We also run events. We do talks in schools, workplaces, you name it. And also lastly, the thing that we're most proud of is that we sponsor counselling sessions for people who can't afford to get that support otherwise. And I'm very proud to say we've actually sponsored $17,300 worth of sessions for people.
1: Mm. how, How is your family? I mean, it's something you'd never envisage Happening. Uh, I mean, what, what what's the? It's a dumb question, but no. what what's the impact been?
13: Catastrophic. Mm. So when we are that night, there's no way that we ever would have expected what happened happened. We are such a tight knit family before this. Um, ben was in touch with his emotions. He was sensitive. He was hardworking. He wasn't into drugs or you know drank occasionally. Um, it was truly catastrophic. Oh, Ben had a daughter as well. So it's just, yeah,
17: it was, it's been a really, really, yeah. And I don't think anything can prepare you when you do lose a loved one like that. Like there's no way to explain the feeling when you do lose someone, when they do take their own life. You can't prepare yourself for it. and Unfortunately, there's a lot of trauma that does come with it after. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And and
1: we all want, you know, people that are battling with their mental health to speak up. And I guess that's one part of it. But as you mentioned there, I mean, do enough people that go through something like this then seek help for themselves in terms of the grieving and and counselling afterwards? And how important is for that, for people like yourselves that have gone through it to, to speak about your own journey?
16: hmm 100% because it's actually a risk factor within itself. Losing someone that way can also be um, make you more at risk yourself. So that's why we do the grief packs. And so it's actually a letter from us talking about our experience, what helped us, a fact sheet. And that's kind of the purpose of the page. People post uh, photos of their loved ones. They share their stories. So it is really important to let your community to get around you. And that's something we're really passionate about, supporting other people. But also if you think someone's struggling to not just put it on them to put their hand up, you know, if someone does an injury on the footy field, if they do an ACL, they might not be able to walk off. So what happens? A teammate steps in, puts their hand mm-hmm. up, signals to the trainer, needs to be the same for mental health.
1: We're speaking to Haley Georgia and Maddie Hawking, founders of It's Okay Not To Be Okay. You mentioned before we hit, now we hear it, elite sport now, everyone, a lot of people talking about mental health. We're seeing players come out and be happy, you know, they're happy to admit they're struggling. and But You're doing a lot of work in the Mornings Peninsula area at local sporting clubs. How important is it to get into these clubs at local level that probably don't have the education like some of the professional clubs do?
13: Yeah, so our parents were big into team sports and instilled that into us. So we played uh, netball and football for our local clubs all growing up. Our footy club literally carried us on their backs at the time that we lost Ben. They were paramount in getting us back on our feet in all kind of aspects, getting work for my dad, um, paying Maddie's membership fees so she could play netball for the year. Mm. Yeah, like at the local gym, sponsored us, sent us a message and sent us three months of membership so we could work out and not have to think about the cost and take our mind off things if we needed that as a kind of release. Um, Footy clubs and sporting clubs give someone, give you a purpose. They rock up every Saturday and play for something that's bigger than yourself. Um, I've got some of my lifelong friends Mm. from playing team sports.
1: There's so many great foundations like this out there that want support, financial support, government support. I'm assuming that's something you've applied for before and I guess are desperately seeking 100%
16: like to be able to do this work. So we volunteered for five years uh, of our time working full-time jobs, running families, but now this is something we want to do full-time. So that does mean support. So people can support us by heading to our page, our Instagram, our Facebook for It's Okay Not To Be Okay. And our website is Au. Simply by doing that, you're helping us. But you know, if anyone uh, wants to support us in other ways by booking a workshop or putting us in touch with people that would like to support us, then that would be amazing too.
1: Have you found being part of the foundation has helped you three with, with the grieving process and, and taking everything in?
17: Yeah, massively. I think it almost gave us a little bit of way of dealing with our own trauma and learning how to work, um, essentially trying to somehow get a positive out of a negative situation. Like if we can save... X amount of lives in the future and prevent any other family from going through what we went through massively. Um, I think also like getting to work alongside your two sisters and we can all bounce off each other with amazing ideas. We all come from very separate backgrounds as well, so very different industries in which we can maybe hit up or approach in terms of wanting to educate people around mental
1: health. So to find out more or to donate or purchase merchandise, head to, it's okay, not to be okay, dot com, dot au. 100% of the profits go into the charity to continue this, to support community programs around mental health. It's a fantastic foundation. Uh, please give it some support. Haley Georgia and Maddie Hocking, uh, thanks so much for coming in.
17: Thank, Thank you for we'll having
1: Absolute pleasure. So it's okay not to be okay. So that's okay. K-A-Y, when it's okay, it's okay, not to be au As always, if you or someone needs help, please call Lifeline 13114. We meant to say when we had the girls on about it's okay, not to be okay. Our great friends here at the radio station, uh, Signet, have been uh, proud supporters and are really getting behind uh, the cause. So thank you to everyone at Signet and uh, it's okay, not to be okay. would love some more. Backers and more supporters uh, like Signet to keep their good work going. Uh, Coming up next, Andy and Gazy, Simon Hill and Trent Copeland amongst their guests this afternoon. Uh, That is the show for today. And again, of course, we've been driven by Werribee Kia. The team will look after you just like family. Visit Werribee Kia and you will find the incredible EV6 GT model with fantastic finance options available right now during October Finance your EV6 GT model through Werbigear Finance, and you'll be eligible for a free home charger and seven years complimentary cap service price. That's this month only, and only for private and business customers. Plus, mention SEN 1116 to receive free on-road costs. T's and C's apply. And remember, if you're looking for a trade-in. Werribee Kia off a top dollar and have 300-plus late model used cars in stock. Werribee Kia. Go and see the team on old Geelong Road, Hoppers Crossing, and be sure to check out the EV6 GT model. It's available now, werribeekia.com.au, L-M-C-T, double one four. Andy and Gazy coming up. They're fighting out the back. It'll be a good show. Simon Hill, Trent Copeland amongst the guests. Plenty of cricket. Uh, on the show tomorrow. Marcus Harris will be one of our guests as we build up to the Aussies' next game at the One Day World Cup. We'll see you at 12 for Midday Madness.